Greetings everybody, it's a great blessing for me to be with you today on this Father's Day when we are just going to hear the message of God's love for us as a father and how he cares for us. Let us just pray together as we start this service. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that you care for us as a father and that we can be secure in the love that you have for us and in what it means for you to be our father. Thank you that we could come to the revelation of what it means that you are father through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that we can stand secure knowing that we have eternal life through you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will speak powerfully through me today as I bring this message of encouragement to people uh, that are listening to this. Thank you for the power of life that you just gushes forth all the time in us. It's such an honor to have you work in and through us. Amen. Today is Father's Day and uh, I would like to encourage you and I know that there are many people today that are excited and happy because of Father's Day. And there are also a lot of people that when it comes to Father's Day, that they have a, it's, it's a sad day for them because they didn't have an earthly father as what they thought they should have had. So I would like to encourage people on both sides of the spectrum today. What makes me happy as a father when I, is when I look at my children and I see them call on God as their father. That is one of the things that can make me the, the most happy. When I look at the achievements they have in this world, uh, whatever they achieve, I am very happy with them in, and sharing in the joy of what they achieve, be it business, be it studies, whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them and truly from my heart. But when I see them calling on God as their father, there's nothing that brings a joy to me like that because I know that all life is found in God as Father. And there are many of us that are watching that is sharing in that. And uh, for all, all the children that are listening today, you know, as fathers, the vision that we have as Christian fathers that are uh, in love with God and what he has given to us is to lead you to a place with the leading of God. Because we know that no human can actually lead anybody to Jesus. It is the Father working in the hearts of people. But we want to bring that voice of resonance to our children. And uh, to the young people that are watching, even as long as you are a child of someone that is in love with God and that, that is a Christian that wants to bring the gospel to you. What our hearts are as fathers is to see people, our young people, our children, uh, grab a hold of God as Father. And I've always taught my children this from young, and that is that, um, yes, I am your Father, but both of us are looking at our Father, which is God. And I think it's a very important thing for us as fathers never to bring the impression that the ch our children can look at us and see God. Uh, that is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And when we me and my children or you as a father and your kids look at the father and look at jesus we are beholding our father you know so many times we've made the mistake thinking and bearing this burden on us that we should be the representation of god to our children and we have found uh, when that is preached and when that is the ideal and what we are aiming for and teaching that to parents it puts a burden on them that they cannot bear and it brings a wrong impression of who God is to the kids because both of us the children and the father is looking at God our father but in this day we are celebrating and um, you know I'm celebrating seeing that my children are believing in Jesus you know I've had somebody uh, write me and say to me that uh, you know they know that I am delusional and a bit of a crazy person preaching the gospel and the existence of God and all those kind of things. But they've got hope that my children would see the light and not believe in this God, you know, this uh, fairies that I kind of believe in. And I've got the joy that I could write back and, unto them and say it is too late. You know, they already believe and they are flooded with this whole truth of God and they've already experienced God's provision for them. They've already experienced the life of God 
um, inside and through them. Uh, so uh, glory to God for that. If you know, I, I just want to say this: the wisest people on the planet is Christians. There is no wiser person than a Christian. You might say, but Christians have made many mistakes. You know, there are people that are not believers that has built the most beautiful buildings and has uh, written the most beautiful plays and uh, most beautiful music and all those kind of things. What does it help? You've built everything, you know, but you everything is for nothing. It means it, it's absolutely foolish. You know, the, we need to know that the wisest thing you can do on this earth is to believe in God and have your trust in God so that who you are can be preserved forever. What does it help you and whatever you've done is just lost. It's all about having eternal life. So the wisest thing you can ever do is to believe in God and to put your trust in Him as the one that is the author and the finisher of what He has promised you, which is eternal life, which He has proven in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in this Father's Day, I am very happy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed in the sense of having my children believe in God. But as I am happy, there might be some people here that uh, when you think of your father, you don't have a good memory. You are thinking of um, some of you never even knew your father. Uh, you, you know that you know, you know that you must have a father, but you've never known him personally or what you have known of him is not good and you've got pain in your heart. I would like to encourage you today to say that God's vision um, at the end of the day is that we can find him as our father. That is the vision. And that is the vision that I also see in my heart with my kids. It is, yes, I am their father, but at the end of the day, it is for them to find God as their father. And then we can together pray our father to God our father. And I want to say this to you. Um, I think it is very powerful and good to have a loving, what we would call earthly father that leads you to Jesus. But if you have come to Jesus and you have seen God as Father, don't think that you fall behind uh, any person that has found God through a loving earthly father. God as your Father will always uh, fill you to the fullness. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus bodily and in Christ that is what belongs to to us. You know, if I look at, uh, I mean, when we look at our earthly fathers, we will always have something that we can think of where we can think a friend of ours father was a better father to his children than what your father might have been. And you might think, what would it have been like if that was the case with me? Wouldn't I have been further in life or any of those kind of things? Let me say to you, the goal in life, the goal of every father should be that his children find God. And from God, as they obey and listen to the voice of the Father inside them, they can reach the highest quality of life. And the highest quality of life is not measured in the abundance of our possessions or any of those things. But the highest quality of life is measured, if you want to measure it, or found in God bringing forth love and peace and joy in a person's heart. That is the highest life there is. We can find that we can build the most beautiful buildings. We can have the most beautiful transport systems and uh, whatever you can imagine and people not being in peace about that, fighting about it, having it even, our achievements as the foundation from where wars break out and bitterness and hatred and all those kind of things. So the highest quality of life that you can ever find in this world is a life that is born from a revelation as well as the power of God's love for you. So if you didn't have a father that you feel you can truly look up to uh, in, uh, you know, and have respect for, because the things that they have done is, is, um, is just not good. One thing you can think is, well, thank God if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have existed. And the fact that you exist gives you the opportunity to know 
God as your Father, from where you can have the opportunity of eternal life. So if you have not known your Father in these days, uh, don't let that be in your mind all the time. Think of God as the one that loves you, God as the one that cares for you, and should you have had the best Father could ever have been, he would his goal would have been to bring you to believe in Jesus and to help you and assist you in that. And that assistance would be with God already working in your heart, where he would be bring a voice that resonates with what God is already speaking in your heart. From there, I want to just quickly turn, turn to fathers that has, um, you know, that has children that don't believe in God. Or whose lives are falling apart. And you can look to yourself and say, man, I have not been a success. And in this Father's Day, you know, you, you didn't maybe receive a call from your kids. And they hate you for some reason. Or they've rejected God. Or they don't want anything to do with you. Maybe it is for uh, good reasons. You know, things that you've done that's not good. Maybe it is just because they don't want anything to do with God. I want to encourage you and I want to read a scripture from uh, John 6 verse 43. It says, Jesus therefore, uh, therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father, Father God, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. So Jesus says nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And now you might say, but all people aren't coming to Jesus. You know, why is the Father not doing his job? And this is what it's, what it's saying here in the next verse. It says, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and learnt of the Father comes unto me. So what it means is that the Father is actively speaking to your child. And I want you to know that the Father, since He is the Father of the human race in the end of the day, and He had a dream from before the world began for people, He loves your child much more than what you could ever love Him. And He is much more actively involved in speaking to your child's heart than what you can ever do through any plan that you can try and construct and bring forth in your own ability. God is speaking to his heart. It is a matter for him to obey. And you can say, well, I can see maybe he has not obeyed the Father. You don't have to give up hope. God speaks in ways that is uh, much better than what we can ever do. All we can do is we can just say, Father, thank you that I know that you love him. And thank you, Father, that I don't have to base the salvation on my child according to my ability to live right or any of those kind of things. So for the fathers that have children that are not in this day, maybe have given you a call or loved you or um, show any form of appreciation or children that has rejected God, that are maybe atheists, don't believe in God, and you, you feel maybe you've been too legalistic sometimes in your life or you've brought a wrong gospel, you didn't even know the gospel of grace, and now they, you think that that is because of or as a result of your wrongdoing. I want to just remind you, you received Jesus and you believe in Jesus maybe under a very law-based gospel wherein God has spoken to your heart and, and you've responded to that inclination that came to your heart, that way in which only God knows how to communicate himself in an effective way to you. Know that God is also doing the same for them. And God only works from the foundation of personal relationship. So he's actively involved with them glory to god um, we're going to go over into the message and what is what stands out to me on father's day is that god came to this earth in jesus christ and or let, we can even put it this way that jesus christ has come and revealed god to us as a father now, each one of us, if you've had a good father or a bad earthly father, doesn't matter. There's something inside us that would tell us just uh, in the depths of our heart what a good father would be. Many people might be upset because their father wasn't a good father. And you would say, well, you know, I don't have an opportunity. I didn't have the, the right opportunities because my father was bad to me or whatever that is. And the reason why you're angry is because intuitively 
there's already a standard inside you. There's a, a moral law already written in the depth of your heart telling you what a good father should be like. And I want to tell you that standard that you are referring to wherein you might look at your earthly father which causes you pain that is already written that standard that's already written inside you is what god can fulfill and what he has fulfilled and that is what jesus christ appeals to and what he draws on when he reveals god to humanity we all know intuitively what a good father would be like. It might take time for you to write it down and define it on paper, but you automatically know what a good father is. And here Jesus comes and he says, our heavenly father, and he refers to heavenly father I think only once, if I'm not mistaken. Most of the time he doesn't just talk about God in heaven, our heavenly father as a heavenly father trying to bring a separation between the earthly father and the heavenly father. Now he most of the time just refers to God as our father. Wherein I think he tries to bring home this whole thing of, you know, um, there's, we should not relate to God just from a distance, but we should bring him closer and actually make him our father. What Jesus comes and what he reveals is that we can refer to God from what I call family logic. What would be logical uh, according to what we would know a good father to be is what God can, what God can basically be judged by. He comes and he reveals to us what is logical in a good family relationship is how he wants to reveal himself to us. That means he wants to reveal himself as one that provides, as one that brings, uh, I mean, provides financially, provides emotionally, provides as pertaining to a safe place where you can feel safe, where you can learn, where you can come home to, a place that is your home. When we look at God um, and him revealing himself to us and he come through Jesus Christ and reveals himself to us inside family logic, it is the most intimate way wherein we can understand God. God comes and reveals himself to us as friend, as husband, as wife, as father, as mother, as provider, as the one that cares, as the one that provides a safe place. For those are the, that, that parameter is the best parameter and the best foundation from where we can know who he is. If God is a being that we cannot understand um, because he's in the unseen world and he comes into the seen world and he reveals himself and he is a very intimate loving being, what better place than to reveal himself inside what we know as family logic? That's how he has come to reveal himself. Outstand, an outstanding passage is in Ephesians chapter 5, where I think I spoke on this last Sunday, where Jesus comes and where Paul comes and he basically says that when you look at a husband-wife relationship and you talk about the oneness of flesh and you refer to Genesis and you say that a husband will leave father and mother and will cleave unto his wife for they shall be one flesh wherein the husband says that this wife is closer to me than my direct family that i will leave my father's house and be cleave i will cleave unto her that logic is used by paul i believe in referring to the return of jesus christ where he would basically leave his father's house heaven and cleave unto his wife because we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone and he will come and live amongst us. When we think of God, God comes and he reveals himself to us inside this family logic, which is absolutely amazing. So when you think of God and you think of him as a good father, whenever you pray, Whenever you read your Bible, you can read your Bible and you can pray to see God as that loving God. And should you not see God as that loving God in Scripture, I think you can just simply say, I don't understand that passage. That is it. You know, I've had many people come to me and say, Bakhti, but this is a difficult passage and that's a difficult passage. Look here, God killed babies or God commanded the Israelites to even go and kill 
kill babies and God commanded this and all these bad things. You know, how can God be a loving father? You know what you do? This is what I do. I say, well, all the Old Testament scriptures and what God has prophesied in the old, the Bible says in these last days, he now speaks to us. In other words, everything that he prophesied in the old is now being revealed and God now speaks to us through his son, Jesus, whom he raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And when I behold this Jesus at the right hand of the Father, which is the Father's voice of love unto me, I just simply say this, if I find any passage in the Bible that does not correlate with that message of love, I simply say, I don't know how to make that link yet. But I know, should I understand that passage correctly, it will show forth what I see in the resurrected Jesus and in what that means and says unto me today. And I want to say to you, you don't have to have uh, an understanding of every scripture in the Bible in order to have a powerful relationship with God and a life that is born from the life of God. The New Testament people didn't have the Bible. A lot of them, I mean, they did copy the, the letters of Paul and sent it to the different churches. And then once a week or once a month, they would read uh, Paul's letters uh, to the church. And then they didn't go home with letters. They just went home with a message that uh, God's promise which is eternal life, has now broken into this world and we find that Jesus was raised from the dead and he is Lord and from him we can boldly accept, expect eternal life as well as the fruit of the Spirit. That is the depth of most of the church's understanding back then. They didn't go and understand every scripture. Neither was it their job to understand every scripture and explain every scripture in a way wherein you reveal God as a loving God. When we look at the um, uh, simplicity that there is in Christ, it is this. Christ gives you life. You just believe him. That is it. That is basically the summary of the whole gospel. And that is the good news that, that, that can be preached. So I want to say to you, when you have believed that God is a loving father and you have looked at the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of eternal life in that, that is the uh, that is what everything amounts to. You've already come to the fullness of the understanding that all the scriptures can bring. If you cannot make the link on how the old says that and how it relates to it, it doesn't matter. You have already now seen the revealed word, what all the old wanted to say. And as you believe upon that, you can find rest in your heart. I want to quickly look at um, this loving father from Luke, Luke 15, 11, Luke 15, 11. Uh, this is just the story of the prodigal son. And we're just going to quickly uh, run through there and just look at how God loves and how Jesus came and revealed this love. Jesus didn't go into many texts trying to reveal every text. He didn't go into that. Neither did Jesus even command anything of what he said to be written down. He knew that what he said is so eternal that it would not but be written down later on. And even now, if nothing was recorded, I believe that the message of eternal life would still have been as well as what it is today. Because it is eternal life. That is what it is. Jesus, you never find him, the scribes following him saying, okay, write this now, write that now, let me explain this scripture, let me explain that scripture. No, he knew that who he was is the explanation of everything. He knew that who he was and what he has come to do is the force of life from the Father. Basically, if we want to call it this way, making God the father of people in this sense that God, through what happened in Christ, gives birth to what he has dreamt for us, thus being 
our Father then, being the Father of our thoughts, being the Father of our life, being the Father of our peace, being the Father of the kindness that is brought forth in us, being the Father of life in us, in the sense of the life we live, and in the end, also being the Father that will give birth to our physical bodies, in this sense, that our bodies will be born from the Father, and not our earthly mothers, so that our bodies can even become eternal on account of him, never to die. Okay, Luke 15 um, and verse 11. Let's go to 11. It says, And a certain man had two sons, and the younger said unto them, unto his father, Father, give me of the portion of the goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. That is beautiful, just that word, he divided his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to the citizen of the country, and sent him, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would... Um, he wanted to fill himself, wanted to fill his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And the man did not give anything unto him. And we know the whole story and how this prodigal came to a point where he just felt, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to return to my father's house. And what did we find the father do? We, we get the, the, the feeling that the father was looking out for the son. And that the father all the time, the father basically lived from the sorrow of my son has died. And when the son returned, the father ran and kissed him and washed him and gave him a robe and the fatted calf put a ring upon his finger, restored him fully. And he said, this son of mine that was dead is alive. The son of mine that was lost is has come back home and when he says that this son has that was lost has come back home he basically said that even when the son was lost he was never not my son he never did not belong to me anymore you cannot say something is lost without uh, inferring that he belongs there's a there's an inference made towards he belongs so we find that the son was called the prodigal or the lost son, because he belongs to the father. And the father always said, he is my son. And never was there a point that anything that that prodigal did could have put him in a place where he was not the son. And if we study this passage out in its context, we find that Jesus is basically referring to the Gentiles here. He's saying that the Gentiles went and they basically went and worshipped idols. They went and worshipped false gods. They got involved in sex orgies and worshipping the goddess Diana. And I mean, if you just take from the Mesopotamian time, uh, just from after Adam, what these people did, what these Gentiles did, they basically took what God has given them and said, I want to give you life. They said, no, we take life into our own hands. We're going to take the life you offered us and we're going to live it by ourselves in our own power. And he's referring to the Gentiles and how they messed up and all those kind of things. And how the Jews, on the other hand, was here in the Father's house. And they thought that through their works, they're going to change the Father into a master. But works cannot change a father into a master. He's still going to be father. Like with my children, I'm not going to provide for them on the basis of their works. I provide for them on the basis of me being a loving father. And doesn't matter how many good works they do for me, it's not going to turn me into a master wherein I now start to reward them according to their works. In the very same way and in a greater way, our works will never change God from father into master. Many times we want to do that. And one of the things that is in the church is we think, you know, if we pray or if we fast or if we do many of these things, tithing, sowing and reaping, whatever principle we want to write in there, then God is going to reward us. I've, I've um, you know, I've, I've heard 
a, a lady said that she has basically now rejected God. She doesn't believe in God anymore because she was taught in the church that if she lives pure until she gets married, uh, it's, it's a heartbreaking video that I watched. And if, if she lives pure until she's married and never sleep with any guy, then God would bring forth, the, uh, will, will basically make it possible that she can have a good marriage. Now I want to tell you, God is not, because she's lived pure, going to give her, uh, uh, now work it out, that based on her purity and how pure she lived, that God will now provide a good husband for her. That is just the law. That is just the Jewish way of thinking. And then that lady looked at other people that didn't live pure lives, and they got husbands that is faithful and loving and caring and all those kind of things and there she was and she was thinking i lived this pure life and now my friends that didn't do that they've got good husbands and god is they was they got saved and actually lived a very uh, promiscuous life and then they got saved and now they've got a, a that's unfair murmuring gnashing with the teeth against those you know but the one wanted to make out of god a master and the other one relied on him as father. Now, I do believe that it is good to live a pure life, but it is good to have a pure life based on God's love that brings forth a pure life in you, not living a pure life so that God can do something for you. There's a big difference. And I think in the very same way um, as what the father remains a father to the prodigal. He remains a father to the one that is even in the law that tries to serve by works. He's never going to become, it's never going to be a reward system for him based on your works. He's going to remain your father. So we find that in this whole story of the prodigal son, that the father just says, come back home. This is your home. This is a safe place for you. This is a place where you can find comfort and care and peace. I will clothe you with what I've dreamt for you. And even if you've wasted the living, you've wasted what I've given, you've wasted basically eternal life because you didn't want it. Oh, there is always eternal life from me. Just come home. Here is life at home. And even you that have worked for everything by your own works, you say that you think that you're going to get the Father to provide life for you on the basis of your works. The moment you say that, you want to remove from him who he is. He is a father. The word father, according to Thai definition, um, metaphorically means the following. The originator or the transmitter of anything from where life comes. The author of a family or a society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself. You know, if you've got a, a, a you know, a, if you go to the bowling club, there are certain people that are very excited about that. You know, they want to, I mean, that bowling club and what they do there and everything, they are so excited about that. Even like, you, you can take horses or whatever. If somebody starts that club in town, I remember when they started the cycling club here in in Malmesbury. The person who does that has got this, I almost want to say the spirit of cycling inside him. And then from there, he infuses that spirit of cycling in others. And so who he is, is born in the others and it forms a club. And he would then be called the father of that club. In the very same way, God is called our father. And he is the one metaphorically and I think it's more than metaphorically. It is actually what, what happens. He infuses his spirit of eternal life into us. His spirit of peace. His spirit of joy. His spirit of love and kindness. His spirit of life. He infuses it into us and then becomes the originator of life in us. That's what it means to have God as your father. Can you see how there's no place for law and works to deserve in the presence of a father who is the actuator or the, the giver of life. You don't have to have laws in you must love in the presence of one that can produce love in you and bring it forth inside you. 
So here he says that love is the one, uh, or a father is the one that infuses his own spirit into others who actuates and govern their minds. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? It's absolutely beautiful. I want to just um, end off by going to John 3 and just wrap this up into what it truly means to have God as Father. You know, when we look at the story of the prodigal son, uh, we are still talking uh, analogy language. But when we look at John 3, we start to now talk about what it truly means to have God as your Father. What is the true meaning of God as Father? John chapter 3, verse uh, 2, it says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God, for no man can do these signs or these miracles that you do, except God be with him. Then Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So now, when we talk about a father or a mother, and especially in the Jewish sense here, when we talked about a father, you, uh, or we, we, when we talked about a father and a mother, we basically, this is how it worked. Because a father cannot give birth to a child, this is the Jewish sense, and like we use Abraham and Sarah, we find that Sarah bore Abraham a son because he didn't have the ability to give birth to a son because he's a male. His wife bore him a son. So it was Abraham's son. So it was actually Abraham that, so we could basically say he's the son of Abraham, although he was the son of Sarah. When we look at um, Isaac. In the very same way, God comes here and he says that unless a man is born of the Father or born of God, you know, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what he's talking about here is God being the one who gives birth to your very life. That is what it is all about. And then when we jump to verse 16, and uh, for you that have listened to my messages before, um, you will know what I'm getting at, and I don't have time to get into everything, but this is the crux of the message. Verse 16, it says it this way. Um, oh, sorry, I'm going to read verse from verse uh, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world... That, who's, that he gave his only begotten son, the one that is born from the dead, who says, God is my father. So he gave Jesus, born from the dead, having an immortal human body. He gave him so that through him we will not die, but have everlasting life, meaning that he can become the father even of our physical bodies and so of our life, giving birth to us in a way that we don't owe our birth to our natural mothers, but that we find that God becomes the father of our physical bodies, wherein we are born away from mortality into immortality, wherein we can say that the immortal God, we can now see his immortal sons. And that is what the gospel is all about at the end of the day. In this, in this week yesterday, I found a very good friend of mine. I think I was moaning a bit, speaking to him there. And I said, you know, I, I don't know how many people will understand this concept and how many will ever come to the place. I just felt this maybe a little bit hopeless at that moment because so many times we, we look at and we tend to look at those that don't believe what we say instead of those that and instead of Jesus, not even those that do believe. And I was just complaining a bit and I was saying, you know, getting this concept of God being the father of our natural bodies to the point that this natural body can now not, uh, we cannot owe our birth anymore to our mothers or earthly parents, but where the physical body can be born of God. It's, it sounds, it is so simple, yet such a complex 
thing to bring over to people because the consequences of what that means is so far-reaching that people are at a place where they say, I don't know if I can grab hold of this. It's a bit too much for me. What does it really mean? I, 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 I don't even think if it's worth anything. It's almost like we have said, and um, yesterday I made a video that I want to upload on Facebook and I never even did, but it's almost as if we say that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cherry on the cake. But through everything Jesus did and everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament and his death, we can basically have the whole cake. But the only thing that will happen in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection, would simply be the cherry on the cake. Wherein Paul's gospel was not that you can have the whole cake and that the cherry on the cake is the resurrection. No, Paul come, came and he basically said there is no cake and there is no cherry if there was not a bodily resurrection. There's nothing. Everything is from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is wherein we define God as our Father. You know, as I've studied this message, I want to tell you, when it comes to Father's Day, and I think of God being my Father, and I've come to the place where I don't just think of God as my Father, in the one that helps me, that helped me in this, in this world to get a house. Maybe he worked in somebody else's heart. He, um, he, that, that person, uh, he provided for him financially in his business. That person came and gave me a house from where I am grateful to, to what the person has done, but my thank is towards God, and I say, he's a provider, he's cared for me like what he cares for the birds of the air, and so forth. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for all of that, but as I've studied, and come to understand what it means to call God your Father, in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it has just blown my mind. It's come to a place where when I think of Father's Day, there's something so deep taking place in me where I realize when I think of God as my Father and I think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I've come to the conclusion that He even gives birth to, an, to a body that is in line with His essence. And that is now used as the lens through which I define everything when when god comes and he declares himself as our father what it means is we, we need to ask ourselves the question what does that mean and then when god says in these last days he's spoken to us through the resurrected jesus we have to say what is god's word on ontology meaning what is god's word on what we are as humans and then we see a human being seated at the right hand of God. And from there, definition is found in what we are. From there, our makeup is defined. From there, salvation is defined. From there, purpose is defined. Everything is defined in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I would like to tell you this. I think, I'm of this mind, that should Jesus have not been raised from the dead bodily, and the Father could not raise him from the dead, that the whole universe would have ceased to exist. It wouldn't exist anymore. If you take the, the, the concept of induction, which means that, uh, uh, um, and, and David Hume uh, and Bertrand Russell, all those atheists, had a big issue with the induction principle. Which, and what induction is, is this. We, have re we trust that tomorrow will be like the past. Because we've seen all, we just induce. We say, well, because it has been like that from the beginning of time, we find that there's gravity, there is light, the sun rises. We find all these things. Then we infer and say, well, because of that, the future tomorrow will also be like that. But if you truly look at that whole system and you study it out scientifically, we have no reason uh, uh, to continue in a circular argument thinking that tomorrow will be like the past. Why will tomorrow be like the past? We've got no reason to believe that. And there is no such a principle. And because God has said tomorrow 
might not be like yesterday, for he has promised us eternal life. He, there's going to be a day where tomorrow will not be like yesterday, where gravity will not work like yesterday, where we will not be at a place where we are going backwards anymore, but where we will find that we are consumed with life. Meaning that the only reason why we can still expect that the sun will rise tomorrow is on the mercy of God, allowing people to have an opportunity to believe in Him. And that, that is why uh, Hebrews says that He upholds all things. The reason why this earth is turning, the reason why everything is taking place today the way it takes place, was because in the Old Testament there was a promise of a bodily resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ. And the reason why it's continuing today is because He was raised from the dead bodily. And the reason why this world, even in its fallen state, continues is because of this resurrected Jesus working in people, being merciful to people, that they can come to the belief inside Him. And then there'll come a day when who and what He is will explode into this world and we will find the fullness of the Godhead bodily manifesting in this world. The Apostle Paul takes the Christ event, the resurrection, as the lens through which everything is interpreted and from there he calls God our Father. That, that is the foundation and the definition for everything. That is from where we define what it means to be a child of God. What it means to be born again. What it means to be born of God. What it means to have the Spirit of God. What it means to be holy. What it means to be righteous. Everything is defined not from what the watered down gospel of the resurrection is just a cherry on the cake. But from the gospel which says the resurrection and the recreation is not the cherry. It is the cake and the cherry and the recipe and everything. For it is God bringing his people unto himself. Reconciling the world unto himself. Glory to God. Well church. I want to just say to you that when we think of God as our Father, we cannot use, and I'm sorry that I use these terms that many of you might not even have studied out or looked at, but we cannot have a platonic foundation of looking at God as our Father. We cannot have our whole Christianity laid inside the the. the Greek philosophy that Plato had. We have to have it in the concrete um, physical resurrection of Jesus and what God has planned for man from the beginning revealed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As complex as what these things might sound, it is as simple as this. God made humans on this earth and He promised the humans plus the earth, that they will bear the fullness of God eternally. And we find that what God has promised has started to shine forth when Jesus was raised from the dead. And we found the first example, not just an example, but the, 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 um, the breaking into this world of what God has promised. And the beautiful thing is that he has left it to this man Jesus to bring forth what he has promised in our lives. We just believe it. And there, from there we rest. Glory to God. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you that we can be so comforted by you. Thank you that you, you we find even in science, we find, Father, how you even solve circular reasoning. We find that how you solve all these things by what you have promised. We find that you have come and you upholding this whole world by your mercy. Where we have no reason in our own ability to think that tomorrow will be like today. For we are mortal beings in a world that is dying a heat death. We cannot 
think that tomorrow must be like today. But we find that it is that way. For you are keeping your promise. You're keeping your covenant with us. And we will find what you have shown us in your mercy manifest. Father, there are people today that has got pain in their hearts. Thinking of their physical fathers and thinking about their children being lost and all those kind of things. But thank you, Father, that you are a merciful God. Keeping this world going. Even as you see corruption and wickedness in this world. And you're doing it in the hope of convincing your people of goodness and so many times we want to question you and say why is there wickedness in this world why is things continuing this way why is God not fixing everything God is busy but father you in your mercy and I can think how difficult it must be for you to see this wickedness continuing in this world but you know that you are talking to people even in this time. And you will raise them up in the last day. And you will give them life. And in that way we know that you are talking to fathers that are not even believing in you. You are talking to children that are not understanding the gospel. Thank you that it is not on our shoulders to make sure your gospel is accurately communicated. Thank you that it is you speaking to people and that we can have our hearts resonate with that truth and that you bring understanding to us as we walk in relationship with you. I thank you, Father, that I can declare everyone that watches this blessed by the mercy and the goodness and the kindness of God. Thank you for your love, O oh God. Amen and amen. Thank you that you've allowed me to serve you with this message. I'm so blessed by the love of God and by him being our Father. That he will never change. He's not going to become a master because of your good works. He's going to stay a father. He's not going to become a tyrant, somebody that casts you away because of your wrong works and your, your wrongdoings. You belong to him. He loves you and he shall keep his promise. Just believe him. Amen. I see you again next week. God bless.